Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Automatically keeps out the sounds you don't want to hear so you can listen to your music. And lowers your music to let in the sounds you do need to hear. Hi there. Hi, what can I get you? I'll have a strawberry mango coconut probiotic smoothie with wheatgrass. Anything else? Extra wheatgrass. Here you go. AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Available on AirPods Pro second generation when enabled. One of the best shows of the year, according to Apple, Amazon and Time, is back for another round. We had a big bear of a man. He's called Mal Evans. He's on roadie. And uh, I was coming back on the plane, and he said, will you pass the salt and pepper? And I misheard him. I said, what? Salt and pepper? Listen to season two of McCartney, A Life in Lyrics on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Volume. The Three and Out Podcast with me, John Middlecoff, is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. It's the NFL playoff time, and there's no better place to get into the action than FanDuel. Awesome new and existing user promotions, America's number one sportsbook, very easy to use, safe and secure. You get your winnings fast. I cannot recommend it enough. Love gambling with FanDuel. If you are new, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started now. Sign up with promo code Colin so they know we sent you. And FanDuel is now live in Ohio. What is going on, everybody? John Middlecoff, Three and Out Podcast. How are you guys doing? Playoffs are here. Let's roll. Not going to waste much time. You listen on Colin's feed. Make sure you subscribe to Three and Out. Subscribe to the Volumes YouTube channel. If you like watching video, got you covered there. Uh, Middlecoff Mailbag, we'll have one this weekend, Sunday, also with the reaction from the Saturday games, which will be the Chiefs and the Jags and the Eagles-Giants game. So we'll have a podcast on Sunday morning, then another one on Monday morning, then another one on Tuesday. Time to rock and roll. So make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Make sure you share with your friends. Make sure you fire in those DMs at John Middlecoff, Middlecoff Mailbag. Fire in those DMs. Get your question answered here on the show. And uh, yeah, playoffs are here, baby. Let's roll. But before we do, can I tell you about my friends at Game Time? Here's what I need you to do. Go to the App Store and download the fastest growing ticket app called Game Time. And when you do, sign up. Use the promo code JOHN, that's J-O-H-N, J-O-H-N, and get $20 off your first purchase. I'm going to an NHL game, my first ever hockey game. I I might become a big hockey guy. Hell, I might start a hockey podcast. Love it so much. I'm going, check out the Coyotes, play in the Washington Capitals Thursday night because of my friends at game time. I went, downloaded the app, promo code John, boom, I'm going. Hockey, basketball, college and pro, the NFL, you live in one of these cities, you live in Philly or San Francisco or Kansas, I guess the games potentially next week in Atlanta, and you want to go to these games, concerts, you name it, take your son, take your wife, take your girlfriend, take your brother, game time. Fastest growing ticket app going right now. I swear by them. I use them. And I want you to, too. So download the app. 
promo code John, J-O-H-N, fastest growing ticket app in America, and uh, get yourself some tickets on me. No big deal. Okay, before we dive into some of the games uh, and, and my thoughts on the games, and because listen, this weekend's fantastic. One thing we saw last week, no matter how big the spread is, you got to stay locked and loaded. I mean, the Dolphins were 13-point underdogs, and that game was riveting. So, I, I and I I wasn't that excited. Then the games happened, the Ravens game with the Bengals, Tyler Huntley. You just, it's the playoffs, man. Crazy things happen. We will dive into those at the end of the show. But I, I wanted to dive in on two things. Coaching, some of the buzz with the, all the guys moving places, Sean Payton stuff, and Aaron Rodgers. We'll start with coaching buzz. And I, one of my mottos on this show, I don't view myself as a teacher, but I am such a big believer on this because I think so many people resent money, don't understand money. A lot of people that I, I don't consider myself in the media. This is an entertainment product. I have two goals to try to entertain you and make money. Uh, you know, I didn't go to Big J journalism school. This is, I, I am not, this is just opinions. I, I don't like, I'm not searching for the truth. I'm just here to entertain you guys. Hopefully I do a good job. But I think a lot of people in the media really resent business. And I think a lot of people struggle with it because money is all relative. Money is all relative. Listen, whenever you first start out as a professional, you're probably not making much. And you do whatever you have to do to survive in terms of eating, where you're staying. And then you get older, mid-30s, late-30s, 40s. You get married, you have a kid. You can't even imagine living where you live. Why? You have more money. If you are doing well and your income keep doubles or triples, you probably don't eat at the same restaurants you ate at years ago, right? I used to eat. Now, as guys, you know, we used to always have a soft spot for fast food. But I'm just saying, if you're going on a date with your wife, it might be a little different than if you dated her when you guys were both 22, if you're now 40 and you're having some success. It's no different in business. When you start a business or the infancy of a business and you're not funded by big VCs, you're probably pretty tight with decisions when investing in stuff, when buying stuff. Like you don't just waste money. Why? Because money matters. The bigger you get, and you, hell, you saw some of these tech companies over the last decades, you start throwing around some cash. You don't view it the same. It's no different in the NFL. Once upon a time, the NFL was not some behemoth cash cow. I was watching Major League the other day uh, with Charlie Sheen, you know, Wesley Snipes, and Back in like when I was really, really young, you know, when I was born in the 80s, I think if you ever, and listen, I didn't like live it, but I've read about it. Pro sports was not making the money that it is now. Well, why is that the case? Because television rights were nowhere near the cash and profitable, you know, amounts of money that they're giving the leaks. And obviously with corporate sponsorships, with suites, the business model for pro sports has dramatically changed. And in the NFL, where they're making more money than they ever dreamed of making, that they get at minimum, if you don't make a penny anywhere outside your building, which is basically impossible, All most of these teams, from suites to, you name it, surrounding the team, generating revenue, they, they do two, $300 million. Some of these teams do $500 million separate from the money the league gives them. And the, league, the money the league gives them is $300 million. Well, the salary cap is $200 million. And obviously, the payment to players is unlike most of your employees, right? Like even the team president, what does he make? A couple million dollars max. You don't have a lot of seven-figure employees beside non-coaches in your building. And a lot of them, anyone that's listening to this that's worked in ticket sales or anything, they ain't making much money. They have to generate money to earn the money. 
So the amount of money these teams make to pay coaching staffs, it's a line item. So when I see that Sean Payton, one of the stories today, wants $20 million, if I would have told an owner that 30 years ago, 20 years ago, maybe their jaw hits the floor. Because I remember when Mike Holmgren, I remember reading an article, Mike Holmgren, when he left Green Bay and he, I don't, I can't remember, he got traded or they let him out of his contract and he went to Seattle financially and he signed a big deal. He was making $4 million a year, which was enormous cash. Even though John, John Madden, who was calling the games, was making double that. It was a lot of money at the time. Now, $4 million, like that's uh, Zach Taylor, Brandon Saley money. Now, Zach Taylor got an extension, I think, last year. But you know what I mean? That's the lowest level of an NFL coach. I, and I honestly think the lowest paid NFL coach is probably closer to $5 million than four. I, I think it's over five. The majority of coaches now making seven to nine, and then the top guys make 12 to 15. Maybe Belichick, because he's been there so long, makes 20. Right. But when you really think about it, paying a NFL coach $20 million, what's Kyle Shanahan worth to the Yorks? He has won uh, three playoff games in 12 months. He has been to several conference championships. Before he got there, the team was a disaster. Everyone in the area talked shit about him. Now, three of the last four years, they're just rattling off playoff victories. He's easily worth $40 million. If Jed York paid him $40 million, he would not lose a penny the money he's making back with them having success. Now, you get paid what the market bears, and there's no one else willing to pay 40 But my point is that, so Sean Payton, let's just say, wants $25 million a year. That's what he's telling people. Most people are like, owners, oh, I can't do that. You can't? What is winning worth to you? Because when you win in the league, your franchise prints money. You're already guaranteed the ability to pay this coach. It's not like the late 80s where I had to fill up my stadium, I had to get every ounce out of my corporate dollars, and I had to have, you know, I had to win. Hell, you don't even need to win now to make money in the NFL. So when I see that he wants a lot of money, I go, he's worth every penny. If he guarantees you winning, and when you look at his Saints history, he guarantees you get Sean Payton. Hell, you go, well, yeah, Drew Brees. Well, I saw one year without Drew Brees. He went nine and eight with four fucking different quarterbacks. One name was Ian Book. The guys he was playing at quarterback the year after Drew Brees retired, most coaches, if I gave Patricia, Joe Judge, just your average coach around the NFL, Pat Shermer's, Todd Bowles, I mean, you, you name it. I don't think they win five games. Dennis Allen. If I gave Dennis Allen last year's New Orleans Saints team, I think they struggled to win five or six games. So Sean Payton immediately, like, I, I just never understand these numbers, like, because Dean Spanos. I had someone, and I, listen, I don't bring a lot of like people talking shit about me on social media, whatever. Like I've learned, it, it, none of it matters. I think Twitter, Instagram, it's all fake world, right? Because the conversations that we have in reality, in real life, when you're sitting down with friends, with business partners, never quite sound like the conversations that are happening on the internet. So when someone comes after me and whatever, it's like, I, I don't even care. Now, sometimes I interact, I'm bored sitting on the couch, whatever, but I don't actually think it's real life. And this guy, but I, I think in general, you can say this about anyone who has, you gives their opinion for a living. And that's what I do. I give my opinion for a living. I observe and then I give my opinion. Doesn't mean I'm right or wrong. I'm just giving you my opinion in an entertainment uh, fashion and we monetize it. That's the business I'm in. He's like, you're just a hater of Brandon Staley. I'm not a hater of Brandon Staley. I just don't think he's a good head coach. And honestly, when I say he's a fraud coach, I don't think he's a fraud like doesn't understand football. 
I think he understands coverages, the defensive scheme. Like I think his intellectual capacity when it comes to football is probably pretty good. I think when I watch him talk, he speaks like a politician. I see a fake guy in a league that demands real. What do players always say? That they sniff out when you're not being real with them. That's why Andy Reid, who I had a front row seat on, is just every single person that played for Andy Reid would tell you, he just tells it like it is. He's not, he doesn't try to be a politician. He's just being himself. Now, maybe Brandon Staley is like fake phony. That's his natural, you know, inclination to act like that. I don't know. I've heard people that work with him, and I've heard other shows say this. I had heard the same thing, kind of a know-it-all, which is kind of weird. He's only been in the league, you know, six, seven years. It's not like he's a 25-year lifer. He had been working at a small school before he got to the NFL. And listen, I've worked in college football. Just because you work at a smaller school does not mean you're not a fantastic coach. My point is to be a know-it-all in the NFL. Bill Belichick's a know-it-all in the NFL. And even he gets things wrong. He's worked in the NFL for 50 years. Andy Reid, Pete Carroll, these guys, these guys have been working in the NFL since the early 90s, late 80s. Like your your point of reference is just dramatically different than a guy that came in when the All Pro team included like Khalil Mack and JJ Watt. I'm like, do, do you remember uh, Troy Aikman and Larry Allen? Like, if you coached against guys like that, your perspective is just dramatically different. And I think when you see that Dean Spanos is firing all these coaches, and when I say Dean Spanos, because clearly he tells Brandon Saley, you got to fire a bunch of coaches. And I always find it funny that this guy was good enough when he hired him throughout the season. And then the moment the season ended, they're village idiots, which of course he's going to say that because he wants to keep his job. And his job in theory is fantastic. He's got, you know, uh, Justin Herbert as his quarterback and, you know, he's going to be competitive because they do have a lot of talent and Telesco is a pretty good GM, but he fires the offensive coordinators because they don't want to fire brand Saley. And I, I think it's so short-sighted, right? This notion that, because one of the things that, not even that I've heard, it's clear. The owner is cheap. And because he's cheap, knowing that Sean Payton costs $20 million and he might have to give up pick 21 to acquire him, he wants no part of that. So he'll roll it back with Brandon Staley. Imagine that. The most, you could argue the most important person in your building is not actually the quarterback because the majority of quarterbacks are not going to be like Peyton Manning or Tom Brady that transcend coaches. The, typically, the most like the most important guy with the Chiefs is Andy. Obviously, Patrick Mahomes has elevated to his equal or maybe above him. But is Patrick Mahomes Patrick Mahomes without Andy Reid and the Kansas City Chiefs? Probably not. And honestly, he'd probably tell you that. Look at Josh Allen. That Josh Allen, one year without Brian Dayball, doesn't quite look the same. Still an awesome player, but it's just not quite the same. So this notion that I'm being cheap when money's not an issue, I would understand. It's like, John, this franchise... They just don't generate, like the reason Tampa Bay or the Oakland A's, I always hear this with Oakland A's fans, like our owner has a bunch of money. Yeah, he does, but your business doesn't. Your business doesn't generate any money. Nobody watches and no one attends. So it's like, yeah, he could put his own money into it and then he would lose it. So the business has to generate it. And Spanos, while he inherited all his wealth and nothing drives me more up a wall then people that, like, if you make your own money from, like, they always say, like, Michael Jordan's cheap, Tiger Woods is cheap. Guess what? And I'm sure there are several, like, Tim Cook, or I don't know if they're cheap, but I'm just saying there are probably super successful CEOs, billionaire hedge fund guys who are also cheap. If you make your own money, you can do whatever the fuck you want with it. Now, we can judge you about it, but it is your decision. You made that money. Michael Jordan, Tiger Woods, like, they've generated it all. If they want to be cheap, that's their prerogative. 
To me, I judge you when you inherit your money and you're still cheap. Like, I just think you're kind of a loser. Like, you're kind of dumb because it's not like you generated that thing. You just had your dad or your grandpa hand it to you. And then you're still going to be cheap, especially when it comes to the most important person in that organization, which is the head coach. And they refuse to pay any money for that head coach. You can fire uh, Lombardi. You can fire the quarterback coach. Like, give me a fucking break. Who's taking that job? Like, honestly, who's taking that? Because it could potentially be one and done. If you go 10 wins again or bounce in the first round, see ya. And we all know, like, we're never getting fooled again. We're all picking the Chiefs next year to win the AFC West. Why? Because the Chiefs win the AFC West every single year. And you would say just, it'll be hard for the Raiders and the Broncos to be as shitty as they were this year. So when you look at the Chargers, like, you had a pretty good opportunity. The Raiders built, that that thing was a bumpy road that led to disaster. The Broncos, the building was on fire the entire year. It's going to be hard for those two teams to be as dysfunctional as they were. Maybe the Raiders. I mean, the Raiders stay pretty dysfunctional. But you would say the Broncos, maybe they just pay for a coach. Who knows? Maybe they buy Peyton. You had the opportunity because Sean Payton 100% is taking your job. But you love keeping that extra money in your pocket. Shame on you, Dean Spanos. Shame on you, Chargers, because that's that's embarrassing, honestly. I mean, you have a probably a pretty good coordinator. That's what he is, according. And there's nothing wrong. You know the best part about being a number two in the NFL? You get paid a premium. Vic Fangio is currently asking for five to six million dollars. And you know what? Probably worth every penny. And most a guy like Brandon Staley as a defensive coordinator, probably making two or three. It's a great life. How many beside like Apple and Facebook and some of the biggest companies in the world pay their number two, number two, two and a half to three million dollars? That. More because so many head coaches now are offensive coordinators. More defensive coordinators now make more money than guys that are pure offensive coordinators, right? Like Ben Johnson, for example, who just got retained with the Lions, probably is one of now the highest paid uh, offensive coordinators in the league. But he is a true offensive coordinator, right? Obviously, Kyle Shanahan's and the Andy Reeds and the Sean McVeighs, like they are also the head coach, so they're making a ton of money. But they call the plays. So these, like Sean McDermott. You know, Brian Dable was making a lot of money. And think about that. The Chargers a couple years ago, Telesco went to college with Brian Dable, had the chance to hire him and didn't. And they went with Brandon Staley. Now, it's not necessarily Telesco's call. I mean, it's the ownerships. But the Chargers, they're just so small-minded. It, it is really crazy for this organization that historically in my life has had a ton of good players and now back-to-back-to-back to back to back really good quarterbacks. But they're just... They just go cheap on the coach. And, and you go cheap on the coach, you deserve what's coming. Uh, some other stuff today, some firings that happened. Uh, probably two of the bigger name firings are Greg Roman, fired from the Baltimore Ravens. And, you know, this is the Harbaugh brothers have both had them, and it both ended pretty ugly. Now, who knows how this would end if Lamar could have stayed healthy, uh, but clearly the passing game was not working. Uh, I don't know if they had much talent on the offensive weaponry. Obviously, their first-round pick gets injured. But Greg Roman now has had two stints with both Harbaugh brothers, and uh, it just has not ended well. Uh, it, it really hasn't. The guy can really scheme the quarterback running game. He can scheme the running game just in general. But when it comes to the modern-day passing game, you would say that's not Greg Roman's Forte. And maybe he would tell you, well, give me a real quarterback who can pass. And I'd say, well, Lamar Jackson had some moments. And he'd say, well, yeah, I was the offensive coordinator when he won the MVP. But um, now it'll be fascinating. I saw Eric DaCosta, the GM, said that um, 
you know, he looks forward to negotiating with Lamar. Maybe that's just, you know, playing possum. Maybe that's being truthful. Maybe that's just the thing you have to say. But uh, that's one of the bigger stories in the NFL. Byron Leftwich. And it shows you why any quarterback, or excuse me, any coach, and listen, I've been lucky enough to work with guys that become head coaches. They always tell you, in college and the pro, when you get offered head coaching jobs, if you don't have, like Sean Payton has options, right? When Andy Reid got fired from the Eagles, he was going to have options. Jim Harbaugh, options. Like certain coaches, small percentage of them, have a ton of options. Most guys do not. And when you get the opportunity, you have to jump at it. And last year, Byron Leftwich got offered the Jacksonville Jaguars head coaching job. But he didn't take it because he did not want to work with Trent Baalke. And let's listen, Trent Baalke's resume got some red flags on it. But Doug Peterson, clearly like, I'll, I'll figure it out. I'll do it. And look at him. He's in the second round of the playoffs. He won the division. He's 9-8. and eight. And his, just in one year, it went from like, you know, Doug had an incredible run with the Eagles, but who knows? Is anyone going to hire him? To now being like, maybe Doug's a real deal. Maybe Doug's a big-time program builder. Maybe Doug is a type guy you'd want as your head coach. And who's he coaching? One of the better prospects we've seen in recent memory. So you got to strike when the iron's hot. I don't always agree with that. And I tell coaches, like, I don't know if I take that job. And again, not that they're like, they're just bullshitting with me. When when they're asking, like, I'm going to do this. I'm like, sometimes I don't even say anything. I'm thinking in the back of my head, like, I wouldn't want that job. You're going to get fired. And they're like, well, if I I have success here, I'm off like a rocket ship. And look at Byron Leftwich. He's now fired. He's not going to be an offensive coordinator anymore. He's going to have to probably go back to being a quarterback coach and then work his way back up. And here's the other thing. I think it's funny. Everyone destroyed uh, Bruce Arians. Like, you know, Bruce Arians is messing with Tom. He's messing with Byron. We have a long history of Bruce Arians. He's successful. When he runs an offense, they score points, and they're pretty good. You remove Bruce Arians, and you let Tom and Byron just kind of figure it out on their own. We saw what happened. It was pretty pretty ugly. So good year for Bruce Arians, stock. Uh, two GMs were hired. Monty Osenfort, I might be saying his name wrong, bald guy, rooting for him, uh, came to Arizona. Don't As someone in the NFL texts me, like, listen, three, four million dollars a year, live in Scottsdale, pretty good gig, which I agree. You know, it's a great place to live. Fucking love it. I wish I would have moved here years before I did. It's a tough job, though. R- really is, because you're all in on Kyler Murray. Well, you're not actually all in on him, but your contract is stuck with him. So that obviously they're interviewing head coaches. I would guess, don't have any inside information, that he ends up hiring Brian Flores. Patriot guy, worked for the Patriots forever, talked to some people that worked around uh, Monty, very impressive guy. High character, low ego, good at his job. So people really like him. He, he spent the majority of his career with the Patriots, but also worked for the Texans and then worked for the Titans. Uh, people uh, talk to a guy that knows him really well, loves him, very well liked. To me, your biggest hire, like we always got to draft well. The number one thing an NFL coach has to do, or excuse me, an NFL GM has to do, is hire the right coach. So his job right now all comes down to that. Uh, It went from them hiring co-coordinating GMs and keeping Vance Joseph to actually we'll just go with this guy. And then the Titans hire Rand Carthen. He played in the NFL for a little bit as a running back, was on some of those Peyton Manning teams from Florida. He's from Florida, but then played with him with the Colts uh, in like the mid-2000s. Talked to a guy today that worked with him with the 49ers. Loves him. Great leader. Impressive guy. Uh, just kind of has some shit to him in terms of when he walks in the room, he's got a presence to him. To me, the only question with this job, are you just tasked with doing all the legwork and then you then Vrabel picking the players or is Vrabel going to work with you? Then the elephant in the room is, does he like Trey Lance? 
could Trey Lance be had this offseason? Would the Titans trade like a second round pick for Trey Lance? And would the Niners think about doing it? Because I probably would. <laughs> now, I don't know. I, I mean, I've, I've talked to Rand a couple times briefly through DMs over the years. Uh, he's been with the Niners for a long time, so he's had a front row seat of building playoff teams, the type players like him and Vrabel probably see eye to eye on the type guys they're looking for. Uh, I, I don't know if he's if he was one of the guys pounding the table for Trey, if he wasn't all in on Trey, but that's something to keep an eye on. Uh, the Steelers keep Matt Canada. I would imagine Steeler fans aren't super happy, though Kenny Pickett really started coming on at the end. And one thing the Steelers, I would say, historically do pretty well is like cohesion and chemistry. Like Mike Tomlin knows that. I don't think they just randomly kept this guy. Um, other than that, I mean, there are a lot of guys interviewing for jobs, pretty fluid. I don't think Jeff Saturday officially interviewed for the Colts. I still think he's got a very, very good chance of getting that gig, which is crazy to say if you're a Colts fan, but just, just be prepared. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Good song. The Johnny Carson theme, right? Hey, who wrote that? Skip, who do you think? It's your buddy. Hi, everyone. I'm Paul Anka. And I'm Skip Bronson. And what happens when two old friends take their decades of experience in the business and entertainment worlds and sit down with our buddies? You get our way, a brand new show from My Heart Podcast, where we chop it up with our pals about everything under the sun. Hear about Michael Bublé's entrance into show business. And get business insight from Mark Burnett. Find out what scares my son-in-law, Jason Bateman. And discover the bragging rights that come with beating Michael Jordan at golf. Together, we know just about everything everybody including sitting presidents so join us as we ask the questions they've not been asked before tell it like it is and even sing a song or two this is our podcast and we're going to do it our way listen to our way on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts Bet the NFL playoffs with FanDuel, where every play is a rush. This weekend, FanDuel's giving all customers a no-sweat same-game parlay during the divisional round. Doesn't matter if you're new to FanDuel or already have an account. You'll get free bets back if your NFL same-game parlay doesn't hit. Same-game parlays are the perfect way to combine your bets, two or three or four, for a chance at a bigger payday. You build your own or choose from one of the popular SGPs pre-built for you in FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. However you want to play, bet the NFL with a no-sweat same-game parlay. Just sign up, promo code Colin. If you don't already have an account, that's promo code Colin, to get free bets back if your same-game parlay doesn't hit. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. 21-plus and present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Indiana, and Louisiana. 
permitted parishes only. Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia. First online real money wager only. Refund issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342-ARIZONA 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. Connecticut 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Indiana, Jersey, and Virginia 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan 1-877-HOP E-N-Y or text H-O-P-E-N-Y 467-369 in New York, Tennessee. Redline 1-800-889-9789 Tennessee. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia. Before we dive into the games, one thing, I watched some of the Aaron Rodgers interview. Oh, one last thing. I, I saw Elijah Moore. Uh, LaFleur, I always get them mixed up. Matt LaFleur is the Packers. Mike LaFleur was the guy fired with the Jets. I actually played golf yesterday with a couple guys from Long Island. Uh, and they were telling me, like, you know, pissed off about uh, big Jets fans, pissed off about Zach Wilson sucking and Robert Sala and LaFleur. And I get it because you're like, God, our team's pretty good. Why can't we never figure this out? And I saw The Athletic wrote a story that Elijah Moore, the wide receiver who was drafted a couple years ago in the second round, from what I've heard, high character guy, people love him, told Matt LaFleur after a week six game, after he didn't get any targets, go fuck yourself and you suck. And I've always had this thought. And, you know, in football, it's a lot like the military. Whoever is your superior, you just you just answer to them, right? A lot of people in high school, college, and the pros at, at position coaches and coordinators answer to head. Like, most head coaches are not like Pete Carroll or Andy Reid. There are a lot of head coaches that don't really know what they're doing. But when the guy's a head coach or you're a position coach, you're a coordinator, a lot of coordinators don't know what they're doing. When he tells you to do something, you do it. There's a hierarchy to it. And it's the way of the business. Right. Where in business, I've always like I remember working in radio and I had the boss. I had this boss my last like year before I got out of radio and went in the podcast. I'm glad I did. Dumbest guy I've ever been around. And it's like we were a corporation. So he was just middle management. It's not like it was his money. And it's not like I thought his ideas were any good. Now, I'm all for giving some respect at first, but eventually, like you got to prove you can do something. So I'm not saying I'm on Elijah Moore's side here, but I'm also like, why? Do you just have to give superiors respect? If you own the business, like I'm in business here with Coward. Now, obviously, I like Coward. I respect the hell out of him. But like he creates the the cash that's flowing this whole thing. Without him, this does not exist. But in a lot of our businesses, and you know, a lot of people you listening, you work for people that they ain't signing the fucking check. This is not their money. And I just have to answer to you why? Because you have some title. I think you're an idiot. So I'm defending Elijah Moore here from the sense of, I, I think a lot of players want to go, it's one thing to snap on a guy that knows what he's doing. Maybe LaFleur has no clue. Maybe LaFleur has no business being a coordinator. And I, I just think it's always funny that you just, just because a guy's a boss, like I, if he's a boss, if he owns the company for sure, whether I agree or not, like I got to answer to him. But if you're just middle management, it ain't your cash. You're an idiot. You just got it because you're buddies with some other middle manager that recommended you in the whole you know, corporate, you know, hierarchy where half the people in the corporation don't even know who you are. I've always struggled with that one. Uh, probably why I was meant to just kind of go into the world I've gone into. Aaron Rodgers. He told Pat McAfee, which I, I do understand this statement from an older player. Like, I'm not into rebuilds. I want no part of a rebuild. I'm into reloading. And that sounds great. And I think a lot of people, you know, in sports say that. And it's a... Uh, it's cliche, but it's true. Like if you're an, Tom Brady, 
didn't want, and if he stays in the league, which I listen, I'm, I'm Tom, just retire, man. I love you. Uh, I think you're one of the great athletes I've ever witnessed. Anyone my age that's watched all your major games, it was an honor to not just watch you compete, but win and kick the shit out of people in the biggest moments. It was sweet. 45, man. Just go live. Go hang out with your kids. Enjoy your life. Get in the business world. Play some golf. Like I don't want to see you diving at the ground when the pass rush is coming at you anymore. That's it's not fun to watch. But Tom, when he went to Tampa, like they clearly they had a coach who'd had success in Arizona. They had a bunch of good players. Like it was a kind of a quick flip, and he did. And they won the Super Bowl. And the next year, they win the division again. They host a playoff game. Aaron Rodgers last year, all season long, it was like him and Gudikins, him and Gudikins. They don't see eye to eye. Then they kind of figure it out and they get on the same page and they have the devastating loss to the 49ers, which I, I thought they were a Super Bowl team. I thought I picked them to win the Super Bowl at the beginning of that playoffs. It was devastating. It was devastating. That loss last year was more devastating than the Lions this year because ultimately the Packers this year weren't that good. That, that Packer team, you, you can't lose that 49er team. That, that, that cannot happen. That, that was their worst loss of the LaFleur era. I think any Packer fan listening will have to agree. It's one thing to lose a Tom Brady in the NFC Championship game. It's one thing when your team's pretty average to lose to a Lions team, which actually is pretty talented. It's another thing to lose to fucking Jimmy Garoppolo, who's injured, who can't score a touchdown because you your your offense, which has dominated all season, scores one touchdown. That, that, that can't happen. But he chose, and it's not like when he resigned with the Packers, He's like, ah, Devontae's back. No, he knew Devontae was leaving, and he still chose to take the $150 million. And I have a life philosophy. Again, I, I celebrate people taking money. I am as pro-capitalism as anyone you're going to hear that talks about sports for a living. I love the business community. I'm all for taking cash. But I've always believed that like, once you get to a certain level of money, you have to think about, like, is this the right decision? Right? Aaron Rodgers had more money than he ever needed going into that contract. So when he signed this contract, which... Everyone in the league would have given him a ton of money. Was Is that where he wanted to stay because he wanted his legacy to be there because he thought he could still win? Or it was like, it was the easy thing to do, take the most guaranteed money, 150 cash, and then figure it out. Because if if that was your mindset, just give me the most money right now, and then we'll figure it out. I, I don't have sympathy for you because you had options and you had pushed for your options, and rightfully so, and then you decided to take this huge bag of cash, which is 100% you're right, but you don't get to complain about it a year later. Especially when you know your right-hand guy, who's probably one of the... I, I think Aaron Rodgers has been on record. He's the best player you've ever played with, is not just demanding a trade, but they're going to trade him. So the moment you do that, like you sign up for this ship that is now the Green Bay Packers. And then because of all the way the... This is not the NBA, right? You, your, your, your contract, because of the way guaranteed money works, like... It impacts a salary cap. You're not easy to trade. It just becomes very, very complicated. And I, I do wonder if he knows what he knew now, even though a lot of us thought this the moment Devontae was traded, like, Aaron, now's your time to get out, and he didn't do it. And I, I just refuse to feel any sympathy for a guy that took all this cash and now kind of complains, like, rebuild, reload. He says he can still win MVP, and I probably agree with him. Like, if you put him on, like, the 49ers, or you put him on shit with like DK Metcalf and some of these guys, Kenneth Walker. You, he traded him some teams with, a, you put him on the Pittsburgh Steelers. Like there are a lot of teams with a lot of talent that I think he could have a lot of success. At. I think it's difficult in Green Bay, right? You got young players you're very dependent on. He's talking about like, do we sign Randall, Cobb, re sign Randall Cobb? It's like, Aaron, you know, I'm all for keeping you in the loop of who you want, but it's like, we need talented players here. Uh, my phone is just blowing up here. 
So I, I, I don't know. If you ask me what I think Aaron Rodgers is going to do this offseason, I, I, I just I, I don't feel good about like I, I don't think he's going to retire. But I think trading him is probably a little more complicated than it feels. Let's dive into some of the week's games. I'll just go AFC and then NFC. I think the Jacksonville Jags, if I was in a business relationship with Trevor Lawrence, I was his coach, I was his general manager, worked in the front office, I was the ownership, I would be so ecstatic for these last three weeks because the Titans game was win or get in. It didn't go that well for Trevor. I thought he didn't even play that well, but they won. And then in the first round of the playoffs, he has, I don't even think it's hyperbolic to say this, the worst half of his entire life. I can't imagine a guy, and definitely since high school and college, that's the worst half Trevor Lawrence has ever played. And then he comes back and he shows the mental fortitude, like, I'd be all in on him. I think we got a guy that in a year or two should be considered in the group of Burrow, Allen, and obviously Mahomes. Maybe not be as good as Mahomes, but like, can be an excellent elite player. We also won, like, our Super Bowl was kind of last year, that comeback remarkable moment for the franchise. I think it's going to be really hard to keep the gas pedal down, especially on the road, in the cold. They've benefited a lot, and they deserve, I mean, the home game in week 18, like that's just your home game, and obviously getting to host the Chargers, even though they have a better record than you because of the rules of, you know, the way division winners get to host a playoff game. But I I would expect it to end. (laughs) And uh, I think I like the Chiefs enormous in this game. And I think Kansas City, to me, they're the favorite to win it all. But I think in the past, they have been a little hit or miss in this game. I think when you look at them going into this game against the Jags, like this is a moment where it's like, we ain't fucking around. Last year, this we're went away from going to our fifth straight AFC Championship game. Last year, we should have gone to the Super Bowl and the second half was a disaster. Mahomes has been on a warpath this year. He's going to win the MVP. He clearly just off-season, the focus level. I remember a buddy on the staff was like, I'm telling you, this dude's on a different level right now. They flipped Tyreek, and their offense, while it's not as explosive as it was last year, to me, you watch them when they're on. like They can score on anyone at any moment. So I, I like the Chiefs big in this game. I think the Jags have had a fantastic season. If I was a Jags fan, if I was on the Jags front office, worked in the organization, I would be so excited about where we're headed. Because we are another good offseason, add a running back, add a tight end, keep improving the defense, and be like, we're going to win this division again. And I think most people, and depending on how the offseason goes, probably including myself, are going to pick them to win the AFC South next year. Bills, Bengals. Uh, here's the thing. Everyone's talking about how the Bengals don't have an offensive line, right? But their left tackle dislocates his kneecap. Never had that happen. Sounds very painful. They're missing several other offensive linemen. They were last week as well. It's hard to overcome that. Joe Burrow got sacked a ton last year, and without their left tackle, Jonah Williams, who's missed six snaps, it's hard to replace that guy. But here's what I do know. Last year, their offensive line was horrendous, and they Jonah Williams gets KO'd in that game, right? He has to leave and doesn't come back. They're 4-1 in their last five playoff games. That includes the Super Bowl, where they easily could have won. It, it, I don't think it's inconceivable that we're talking about a team that's won five straight playoff games. They were leading in the Super Bowl late in that game. So this team, and specifically this quarterback, just knows how to win when shit's on the line, and it's really important, and he's kind of got to stay alive because guys get by his offensive linemen. So 
most quarterbacks, like if you tell me Brock Purdy, like Trent Williams is out and they're missing a guard, like yeah, Brock Purdy be in some trouble. But Joe Burrow, like he's used to keeping plays alive when guys can't block people ahead of him. And T. Higgins and, and Jamar Chase dominate. And here's the thing. This team, this game was supposed to happen, so these teams have a pretty good feel for each other in terms of they game planned all week and then they didn't use it. Now you look at like to me, didn't Joe Burrow throw a touchdown in that? Wasn't the score seven to three? Do I do I have that mixed up before that game, before the Demar Hamlin situation happened? And listen, when it comes to the Bills and Josh Allen, I'm as big a Josh Allen fan probably as anyone that's not a Bills fan. But he throws a lot of picks right now. And it's one thing, like some of Dak's picks, in fairness, are bouncing off guys. Josh Allen's hitting guys in the hands. Like some of those Trevor Lawrence picks hitting Asante Samuel in the hands. Like Josh, sometimes in Mahomes, this happened to last year, like dump the ball off. And here's the thing. When you're in the front office and you're in a window to win now and you go all in on one specific older player, I understand why Vaughn Miller, the stretch that he had last year for the Rams, all those sacks. He had a sack in Week 18. He had a sack in all the playoff games and the Super Bowl. He was remarkable. And he's one of the great players of all time. But he was also kind of old. And he'd been banged up before. They paid him $50-plus million in guarantees. And if you told me he was in this game, fully healthy, I'd be like, you know, the pass rush for the for the Bills is going to be too much. Well, he's hurt. Now, listen, obviously, it's a freak injury in ACL. Well, he's had multiple ACLs in his career. And this is when you go all in on an older player and you're going to be just a powerhouse team. Like It's going to be hard for that guy to be there in January. It, it just is. And, and Von Miller's not there. So I, I do, I, I lean the Bills to win this game, but I talk about Ostucky. I'm going to take the Bengals and the points for sure. And honestly, I might sprinkle a little Bengals money line. Uh, NFC. I think all the pressure's on the Eagles, man. I I think the amount of pressure in this game that's on Sirianni, who's probably going to lose his offensive coordinator, and who knows, maybe his defensive coordinator. So they might have multiple new coordinators. And never forget, like this isn't Sean McVay or Kyle Shanahan. He does not call the plays anymore. So their offensive coordinator, Shane Steichen, uh, that, that'd be a big loss if he gets a head coaching job. And here's the thing. We won't know till the game happens. Like, what's Jalen's status here? How's he feeling? <laughs> Because I, I read Sirianni's quotes, and if you're an Eagles fan, you've been watching these press conferences. It's not like he's saying he's good to go, 100%. He's fine. It's like no, it's still something he's dealing with. And Lane, as I'm recording this, Lane Johnson's limited in practice. Listen, he's going to play. They're going to shoot that bad boy up. But we've seen guys before. You're you're dealing with such a painful injury. Like, is this one of those where it's just like God? He can't really go. And listen, the Giants do not have the firepower. They, they just don't. Some of these teams historically that have came out of nowhere and then start rattling off playoff victories. The Giants have done it a couple times, right? With Eli Manning. They had higher-end players. Like, how many high, high-end players do the Giants have? Saquon, uh, Dexter Lawrence. Like, Kayvon's not what OC and some of those guys were in the peak of their powers when they went on runs. He might be in a couple years, but he's not right now, right? So, I, I just don't think they have enough. I, I just watched the Eagles-Cowboy game from Christmas Eve. Back, listen, if you have NFL Plus, highly recommend just watch that connect that game because you might have missed it. Christmas Eve, holidays, hang with the fam. That game was remarkable. <laughs> the Eagles, if Jalen is just close to 90%, Devontae Smith, I, I didn't quite realize what a year by that guy. 95 catches. AJ Brown is I don't know if we do a good enough job as like, are we sure he's not the best wide receiver in the NFL? Like you, you could make that argument. Like Devontae, him, Justin Jefferson, like Tyreek, he he's right there. And Devontae, in a weird way, he's flown under the radar. So, 
The Eagles have no business not winning this game. To me, the only way the Giants have a chance is obviously like turnovers, an ugly, just it's like 10-10 at half. Billy, been to a lot of games at the link. The place just gets tight. But the Eagles sometimes when they're feeling each other in the one game, and I, I was reading this article in The Athletic about Steichen, his mentor's North Turner. And there were a lot of quotes in there from Norv. And Norv was talking about the Giants game, how good of a job Shane did. They just spread them out. Just They got better athletes. They got more team speed. And there's nothing the Giants can do. And you can't put anything in that week 18 game because they were benching all the players. But when you look at uh, Christmas Eve, man, that that thing was... Uh, not Christmas Eve, but the first time they played. I remember sitting on my couch like, I'm pretty excited for Giants-Eagles. And then I wasn't because I changed the game by the second quarter because it, it was an ass kick. Uh, and then last but not least, the Niners-Cowboys. This is... Um, this is from my childhood. Aikman versus Young. Now, this is a little different. Purdy versus Dak. But uh, this is a big moment for Kyle and, and Brock Purdy. I mean, Kyle won two playoff games last year on the road. He won another playoff game. Obviously, B. Seattle is not very good. But all of a sudden, you're looking at a guy that's got four playoff w- wins in, in 12 months. Two with Jimmy Garoppolo, who's banged up. And now Brock Purdy was Mr. Irrelevant. And obviously, their team, like the reason they're able to do this is because their team is really, really good. When you talk about the Giants not having a lot of high-end players, it's the opposite for the 49ers. They got high-end players literally every single unit. And I just think they got too much firepower on offense. The other thing, and I talked to Stucky about this, the disadvantage of the time. The Niners played Saturday afternoon. So the game ended at, the game kicked off at 1.30, was over by 4.45 Pacific Standard Time. Well, then Sunday and Monday, they got 48 hours before the Monday night game even kicked off. And then the game kicks up. By the time the Cowboys coaching staff got home, now I would imagine they had their quality control guy breaking it down during Monday and probably even Sunday, but still, like Mike McCarthy's probably not diving into that thing till he gets on the plane. And, you know, I don't know how much Adderall and coffee you can even take, but the amount of time in the week, the amount of time in the week. So the, this team, they did not play each other this year. So it's not like, you know, they played each other in week seven. I just think it's a huge, huge disadvantage for Dallas. Now, here's what I will say. Watching that Eagle game, just watching the Cowboys. Cowboys do have high-end players. And when Dak is on, people think I'm a Dak hater. I'm not. I just don't love paying him $40 million. To me, he's more 28 to 30. Now, I get the market pays that. But like Dak needs good talent around him. Most quarterbacks do. But like Patrick Mahomes, we saw this year. Get rid of Tyreek Hill, MVP. Right? Like I, Dak, it is much more difficult for the mo- most games, like last game, the way he played, now Tampa sucks, but the way Dak was playing, when he's rolling like that, he can be a top five player for a game. But being a top five player for a season is every single week. And that's where Dak can kind of be a little bit of a roller coaster. And uh, I think it's going to be harder against the 49ers. Like when Dak's on the move, he is excellent. And that's a huge separating factor between him and Cousins. He's athletic, Cousins not, because they get compared to each other all the time. Harder to run around on the Niners. Why? They have so much team speed. All their linebackers fly. Fred Warner, Greenlaw, Alshire. All their defensive linemen can move beside Kinlaw, who's got a degenerate knee, but that's for another conversation. Draft pick 14. The point is, it's going to be harder for Dak to just be flying around. We saw it last year. Now, I think this Dallas Cowboy team is better than last year's team. So I, I if, if you told me they were on the same uh, amount of rest schedule, I'd be like, the Cowboys can win. The Cowboys can win. I think it's very, very difficult. I, I really do. And, and if they do, I would expect Dan Quinn 
to probably be the coordinator of the weekend and just you know get after Purdy. Because the other one thing is Purdy can move. And Purdy was running away from Seattle. Now, Seattle, you know, this is not the Legion of Boom. And Cliff Averill and some of those guys, Bruce Irvin in his prime, even though Bruce is actually on the team again, were not chasing him and they couldn't catch him. Well, Michael Parks is going to be able to catch him. And Dan Quinn will bring pressure. Uh, it's just going to be like Mike. He's not going to be able to run away from Michael Parsons, but I'll give Purdy this like Purdy understands who can run and who can't. So he has a pretty good feel when a guy's chasing him, he'll throw the ball away or he'll keep the play alive. To me, that's going to be a, a huge, huge thing to watch. Like, can they get after Purdy? Does Purdy try to make plays out of his ass? Cause he does sometimes. And he's mainly avoided disaster, but like, does one of these plays, he try to do a 360 in the pocket and run into Parsons. All of a sudden it's a fumble six. If you tell me that type of stuff's happening, the Cowboys have a chance. But this should be a very, very fun weekend of football. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? more confident, capable surgeons, and even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Good song. The Johnny Carson theme, right? Hey, who wrote that? Skip, who do you think? It's your buddy. Hi, everyone. I'm Paul Anka. And I'm Skip Bronson. And what happens when two old friends take their decades of experience in the business and entertainment worlds and sit down with our buddies? You get our way, a brand new show from My Heart Podcast, where we chop it up with our pals about everything under the sun. Hear about Michael Buble's entrance into show business. And get business insight from Mark Burnett. Find out what scares my son-in-law, Jason Bateman. And discover the bragging rights that come with beating Michael Jordan at golf. Together, we know just about everything everybody including sitting presidents so join us as we ask the questions they've not been asked before tell it like it is and even sing a song or two this is our podcast and we're going to do it our way listen to our way on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts Back with my man, Stucky, who uh, we were just talking, went two and two last week. Well, he had the Chargers and the one franchise in American sports, college or pro, that you definitely cannot turn the TV off when they're up 27 to nothing. Uh, It would be the Brandon Staley. Honestly, it could be any coach of the last decade, led Chargers. Uh, But we are to the divisional round now, which in theory should be a bunch of just three-point lines, haymaker games. We have... We don't have one field goal line, and we have several that are very, very close to 10 points. So uh unique weekend. A lot of star power, though. Uh, Stucky, we, we are coming down the home stretch, right? We got four games this week. We got two games ne- next week. Then we just have – we don't have many games left. <laughs> we do not have many games left, man. Yeah, it's it's, it's kind of bittersweet. I think this because it is winding down, right? We have four, then seven games left. But uh, this is, for my money, usually – uh, the best weekend on paper of the NFL season. And yeah, I mean, what are you going to do? It was a tough weekend for me because my Ravens, 
the way that they lost um, with the 99-yard well, well, fumble what, return. What did, what, what did you do when the ball flew in the air and landed right in his bread basket? I dropped. I mean, I was at a, I was at my wife's bar and there was all, surrounded by Bengals fans, and I'm I'm chirping. It's at night. I've been drinking all day, and that happens. Then everyone is like, then in my face, I'm like, you got to be kidding me. The way that this just happened. Uh, but the Chargers, yeah, I was like, I'm a I'm brilliant. I I bet money line because I don't trust this team even late two and a half, and then. The Jags cut it to two, and I'm like, "Why? Hey, I got money line." Even though deep down inside, I know that they're going three and out. Jags are going to get the ball back. You that, that number, when he got that two point, and it went to two, yep. you know from three to two, that is a kick in the you know what. Yep, I was like, "Oh, this game's going to end." Uh, Chargers by one, but yeah, uh, yeah, five only. Uh, you know, seven games left, so let's let's enjoy them and try to find a couple more winners this year. Okay, let's go uh, Saturday day. I, you know, I, I think it's fair to say. The Jag Super Bowl was last week. Incredible moment. I mean, it's got to be one of the greatest moments in the history of the franchise. They haven't had many, but th- that was cool. I mean, if you're a Jags fan, you're a Trevor Lawrence fan. Uh, I-, I I do think, you know, I, I don't want to say out of gas, but nine points is a lot. I-, I think the Chiefs, and sometimes the bye week can be a little weird. Remember, was it years ago? It was weird for them. Remember, they had that stretch where they got like down in this round and down in the second round and came storming back. I think the way last year ended, the way they kind of retooled their team, of all the teams in the NFL this year that could handle a bye and would just come out laser-focused, I mean, I expect the Chiefs to, you know, in a weird way, not be looking ahead because the Bills or the Bengals would be, you know, it's what the whole season was about playing one of those two teams, right? And obviously the Bengals ruined their season last year. Both teams beat them this year. The Bills had that historic game against them last year, even though the Chiefs won. But I I think they are going to come out swinging, come out for blood. And I like the Chiefs big in this game. Yeah, it's interesting. They were minus 10 at home. They won by 10 at home. I don't know, maybe two months ago against 20, the Jags. Was it 27 to 17? I think. This- yeah. And in that game, the Jags recovered an onside kick to start. They were, the Jags were three, nothing in turnovers, plus three turnover margin. By the way, the first game since 2018 and only the fourth since two, 2010, where a team was three, three to nothing or better in turnover margin and lost by double digits. So, you know, they still lost by 10, despite re- recovering an onside kick and getting three turnovers. So yeah, it's it's just a tough matchup because their secondary is so bad that Mahomes at any time could go up and down the field. This has been you mentioned this though for this has been a tough round for for favorites, and you would think maybe you know it's the opposite with the bye week, but historically since you know past twenty years, underdogs forty five and thirty against the spread in this round, and if you look at home favorites coming off of a bye, they're just forty percent against the spread. And the number one seed is just 13 and 26 against the spread over the past 20 years. Eight and 23 against the spread. That's 25.8% when favored by less than 10 points. Again, these are just trends to throw out there. They don't, they don't mean that every game is going to go that way. But I, I would tend to agree with you. I, I would I would love, you know, and look, you got to respect this this chief staff off of a buy reed has been great off a of buy. They're going to have a great, you know, their scripted portion of this game will probably be elite. They're going to have a really good game plan for Lawrence who struggles with disguise and certain coverages. You saw the chargers have them confused early in that game. I would assume something similar uh, for two coaches who are really familiar with each other. I didn't bet a side in this game. I would lean the under, but I, I'm just hoping that the chiefs somehow get down early. And then I'm firing the chiefs live because Mahomes. 
and this offense should be able to move up and down the field at will. And <laughs> this is a, a Jaguars defense that is dead last in the NFL in covering tight ends. Not great when you're going against Travis Kelsey. So, yeah, if I had a bet it, I would bet the Chiefs. And But I, I, do, I do like a prop in this, a rare prop in this game. ETN over receiving yards at over 17 and a half. He had, I think, three for 30 when they first played. He's He got almost every snap last week. He was, you know, ran, I think, 95% of routes on Lawrence dropbacks. They even put him in a the slot. They put him out wide. Now, he only had 12 receiving yards, but he, you know, this is a, a Chiefs team that's bottom three in the league and covering running backs. And they were able to generate a ton of interior pressure. And I feel like they're going to have some really exotic looks for Lawrence, which means checkdowns. Uh, you might have some screens for him, and he might even get a look on the outside. So he's gone over that number 11 of 17 games this year when he wasn't hurt, uh, if you exclude the Baltimore game. So I did play that. Um, but I would agree with you. If the Chiefs come out here laser-focused, um, then they could run away and hide in this game. I'm hoping that they don't, and Jags come out, jump on them, and then I can bet the Chiefs live. I, I think ETN, <clears throat> big-picture Jags, Probably eventually going to be more of a, I don't want to call him a scat back, but more of a utility piece than a true back, you know, starting running back. They get a bigger back in there. You know, they, they're going to have some money. I'm sure a Josh Jacobs type guy, a power back to go with him. All of a sudden to me, that offense, I'm just thinking next year could be a lot scarier, right? You know, I mean, that's because you saw in that basically game winning run that he had, like he does have elite speed. But he's just he's just not a between the and I think him and ironically Clyde as well on the Chiefs just shows you like unless he's just some all time great talent like an Adrian Peterson you just do not take running backs in the first round it just doesn't it's just it's just way too risky even if they do have you know elite pass catching skills or whatever uh, probably too much Jags talk there but I, I'm with you the Chiefs yeah and I agree. They, uh, throw third down back use him you know in the slot and like some trick plays that's that's where he could be elite if he has a, another great complimentary back yeah so uh I, I i'm with you there and if i wanted to push back on hammering the chiefs the one thing doug will show is he'll just keep throwing bombs so hell they could be up 30 to 10 and you get a couple late scores and all of a sudden you cover uh yeah chiefs chiefs also are not great at covering these numbers of over uh touchdown favored a lot of it is because and you used to see this with Brady. The only time you would fade him was over a touchdown favorite. They're so good at running the clock out late. So, like, if they're up, say they were up 14, Jags score a touchdown, they get it back to Kansas City. Kansas City is so good about, all right, let's get five first downs, and then we're taking knees at the 10 instead yeah. of, like, you know, a field goal. They don't convert. And then you, then instead of covering with a field goal, you actually executed all the way down the field and ended the game with knees and you don't cover. Things like that happen. So, yeah, they haven't been great as over touchdown favorites, but I just don't see how the Jags can stop them here. Okay, uh, the the night game. You know, it, Sirianni just if you read his quotes, really over the last you know month, but even the last couple of weeks, that they they are not acting like Jalen's over the hill. Everything is fine. This is something that's not going away. And you know, I mean that that makes me concerned. And Lane Johnson, who was limited in practice, I mean, it's fair to say, even if he goes, which I'm sure he'll try, he's an offensive lineman. Those guys are tough as shit. I mean, that's a big injury, an abdominal tear. Uh, th those two injuries on two of not just the best players on the team, and they, they were two of the best players in the league, you know, and, and they were a huge reason this team has dominated. Now, when they were healthy, they beat the living piss out of the Giants. I mean, that game, I remember sitting on my couch, I turned it off mid second quarter. I'm like, this is a joke. 
Yeah. And th- th- you can't take anything out of the final game because they were resting people. Uh, even though it was probably way closer than it should have, you know, if you're the Eagles playing their backups, you you don't want to win whatever twenty two to sixteen. Yeah, but I, I don't know. I mean, I I'm just unsure about the Eagles. You know, I just I know the Giants are tough and they're going to try to muck it up. And if the Eagles are healthy, fuck, this is not a game. But you know, am I getting Jalen Hurts? Like, is he struggling to throw the ball? Is he a guy that hasn't played? This will be a second game in what thirty plus days. Right, he hasn't played much football lately, so it's not like he comes in with a lot of momentum. And yep. it's Kayvon isn't Michael Strahan, but if, if Lane kind of you know does one of those, gives it a go, and he's just clearly in a lot of pain, the shot's not working, they got to take him out. Assuming that they try to do that, all of a sudden you got a backup in there. Can they make some hay? You know, your your guy Wink. I mean, that guy just will bring people from every fucking nook and cranny on the field. So. I'm prepared for this game to get weird just because the injuries for the Eagles, obviously fully healthy. I don't think this is a game. And like we talked about before we hopped on, this is probably a 10 point line and probably people would be taking the Eagles, but I don't know. I, I wouldn't feel very good. I'm not betting this game just because I, there's too much unknown on the Eagles for me. I agree. Uh, Too much uncertainty for me to get involved. uh, As of now, Lane Johnson is very important. And I mean, look, part of me thinks, all right, the Eagles aren't getting enough respect here just in general for a team that ran through the NFC, a team that lost, that didn't lose at all with Jalen Hurts and Jordan Davis in the lineup. And Davis is really important to their run defense. Then again, you know, if you look at their schedule, who do they really play? But still, like this is a team that dominated the Giants, dominated the NFC all year until some injuries late in the season. Meanwhile, the Giants seem to be getting out and they're everyone's darling. But this is a team that if you look, in the regular, they beat the. No one believed in the Vikings. They were complete frauds and, and showed themselves to be. But during the regular season, I mean, the only playoff teams they beat were the Jags in a crazy four, you know, fourth quarter, and and the Ravens in a crazy fourth quarter comeback. They were dominated statistically in both those games. Nine of their ten wins come by one possession. So, like, it, it's a team with a lot of flaws. Still, the roster is very well, flawed. And, they, and they don't have, they don't have top to bottom the high end talent right yep. throughout the throughout the team throughout the twenty two guys on the field. Yeah, yeah. So you got to give. That's why I mean, to me, Brian Dable is the coach of the year. I mean, just what he did with this roster and what he's done with Daniel Jones and like Daniel Jones is not throwing the ball deep. He's not. He's got. He's taken away everything that Jones used to struggle with and just giving him easy throws. And to his credit, Jones is making those throws. And last week, he's even thrown it downfield with a little more success. But if if the Eagles are fully healthy, it's not a great matchup for the Giants because the Giants look. They're getting pressure now. Getting a Dory Jackson back is important. Their secondary is getting healthier. But their linebackers are so bad that they they thrive when they're in like dime and dime packages and they can bring pressure, play with a lot of defensive backs on the field. But against the Eagles, they could just run right down their throat if they're doing that, which is what happened in that first meeting. Miles Sanders was running wild. And then if if you make the Giants bring in their linebackers, then you're going to take advantage with the tight ends and and hurts and hurts running ability against the slower tight end. So it's a really bad matchup for the Giants defense. Uh, if everyone on the Eagles offense is healthy, which we don't know about. So, and if the Eagles jump out ahead here and then with their pass rush, then it could yeah. get ugly for the Giants. We talked about this right before coming on the show. Giants got to keep this, got to keep this close early on. They're coming in with house money. Everyone on Philly, including the crowd's going to get tight. And then the Giants could have a shot to pull off this, uh, the upset from a betting perspective, though, with the line over seven, you know, seven and a half with the injury uncertainty to Philly. Stay away from me. You know, this next game on Sunday morning, which, you know, is just a fantastic football game. 
this is why you signed Von Miller in the offseason. The problem is he has a torn ACL and he's nowhere to be found because you would be like, I just the pass rush for the Bills is going to be missing offensive linemen. Jonah Williams dislocated knee. They were already missing, you know, the the right tackle. So it's just how would you block these guys? But on towards ACL, he's 33 years old. He's been injured before. He's injured now. So I, I don't know. I, I don't view the Bills defense, especially their pass rush, some vaunted pass rush that can just it's not like Nick Bosa and you know Micah Parsons are walking through that door, though they do have good young players. Uh, and Joe Burrow has shown that, fuck, he just can make shit happen if me and you are blocking for him. It's really pretty remarkable. Uh, and those receivers dominate. So, I, you know, I, I kind of like the Bengals in this spot. And I'm not trying to overreact to last week because, to me, the Bills thoroughly outplayed him. It, it was the turnovers that kept him close. But Josh has turned the ball over a lot this year. You know, I mean, he just throws the ball to the other team. To me, the fumble six, a little random, but he has thrown picks. He's played a little hero ball. Uh, I, I just think I have more trust. I mean, it's not that big of a difference. I mean, they're both elite guys, but I, I just feel a little more trustworthy in Joe Burrow. He's proven he can win on the road. I don't necessarily like him to win this game, but if I can get him plus five and a half, I mean, I, I'd have to take the Bengals in this spot, regardless of their offensive line. They made the, off, they made the Super Bowl last year with... Anthony Munoz wasn't playing offensive line for him. I mean, it was a joke. So I, I just think the Bengals, man, they just they have this way of kind of staying in games. Yeah, I, I can't blame you for liking the Bengals here. I, I disagree personally. I mean, the Bengals, look, they're 20 and 5 against the spread over the past 25 games. They haven't lost a game by more than a field goal in the last 21 games that Jamar Chase has played in. 21 straight. They've either won or lost by three or less. But I just think the offensive line injuries, especially with a cluster, and look, last year their offensive line wasn't great. They got to the Super Bowl, but you got to remember, they, Burrow was sacked nine times against Tennessee, and they won like 19-17. They barely beat the Raiders, and they have a crazy comeback against the Chiefs who just melted down. It's not like they were rolling teams. For sure. Well, 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 what happened in that game? They got three picks against Tannehill, right? So it's like yeah. with Josh, you know, turnovers in these playoff games, you saw your That's team the with Ravens. Here. If, Allen, yeah. if Allen turns it over, yeah, he – then this game will be close. But having those three, and then you lose Alex Kappa, who's arguably your best offensive lineman in the interior. Now you're it's missing a lot. three it's a offensive lot. linemen <laughs> yeah, all at once. Like, And then you're going on the road. So like, you, and, and if you look at last week in the second half, the Bengals' offense couldn't do anything after those offensive line injuries occurred. They they had one five-step drop back in the second half. They were, Burrow was under pressure right away, and the Ravens don't have some great pass rush. Bills can still generate pressure without blitzing, and you don't want to blitz Burrow which is good here for Buffalo. And the other side of the ball, I do think that the Cincy defense is uh, a tad overrated, which is one of the reasons why I like Buffalo here. I mean, if you look, their metrics are really good. I really like their defensive coordinator. But out of the 18 quarterbacks they faced this year, nine were backups. I mean, you just look at the last two weeks. I mean, you, you clinch the division, you beat Anthony Brown, and then in the playoffs you get to play Tyler Huntley. Um, you know, you played Jaco – you lost to Jacoby Brissett. You lost to Lamar Jackson. Uh, yeah, so like just within their division, they got to play Cooper Rush when they played the Cowboys, Joe Flacco when they played the Jets. This is a team that benefited from a ton. PJ Walker, like a ton of bad quarterbacks. And the, the Steelers quarterback situation, you know, until the last yeah. couple weeks wasn't great. Yeah, I mean, they lost to Trubisky and then they beat Pickett, but gave up 30 to the Steelers in that game. So I do think that there's some, we got to remember, they lost to Wuzier, their starting corner. There's some holes at corner and, and at linebacker on this defense that I think the Bills can exploit. And then the Bills statistically have the best special teams in the NFL this year. 
Bengals struggle. Their kicker has been struggling a little more than I would have expected this year. I like their staff a little more too. So like home field staff, you have the Bengals offensive line injuries. I think the Bengals defense is a tad overrated. The special teams, like everything favors the bills here. The wild card is the turnover. So if Allen, which are, which are fluky and hard to predict, we saw that with press times, like there was the turnovers. Yeah. And then last week he throws five touchdowns. So um, yeah, I can't blame you for liking the Bengals at the points. I just think the offensive line injuries on the road, like it's having a cluster like that. It's going to be Really, really tough for Cincy here. But uh, back in Joe Burrow, I could never blame him. Okay. If the Cowboys had done what they did on Sunday or even on Saturday and they were on the same schedule as the Niners, I would feel I would understand. And if I was going to bet the game, I would take the Cowboys and the points over a field goal. But the, the disparity of time off this late in the season, when the Cowboys have been on the road, they did that Thursday night game with the Titans, last Thursday night game of the year. Washington right on the road. Then last week on the road Monday night when the Niners play Saturday afternoon. So by the time that they get back to Dallas, you know, three, four, two, and whatever in the middle of the night, the coaching staff probably goes to the office, all popping Adderall, slamming coffee. I mean, they got to be just gassed. Even the players take a night off. Like to me, that because clearly if Dallas plays a good game, they're a really good team. They got really good players. They could hang with probably anyone in the league, right? But because I think they're better than last year. Mike is probably a little bit better if when Dak's on. CD's kind of coming into his own. Schultz is a stud. They rely more on Pollard now than slow Zeke, and Zeke's just really the red zone guy. But I, I do think that and maybe the game's close early, but eventually you're going to run out of gas. Like that that time off, the Rams won the Super Bowl last year, Monday night, but they were at home. I, I think being on the road, especially like, I mean, that's a pretty several, that's a couple time zones for the Cowboys to come back to Tampa. It's not like a 30-minute flight, I think that's really, really tough. Now, I was listening to doing some research that some of the inactives for Dallas, obviously Tampa, they're a throwing team, so they some of the defensive tackles that will probably be active for this game to try to neutralize. Dan Quinn's clearly a pretty good defensive coordinator who's been around the block playing Brock Purdy, but it's not like just Brock Purdy, right? It's Kyle can get his playmakers the ball pretty easily. He hands the ball off a lot. Even some of the throws, he throws quick screens. It's not... He's not dependent like Josh Allen on seven step drops pushing the ball way down the field. It's it's easy for him to get his ball the ball to his playmaker. So, you know, I, I like the Niners in this game. Well, I figured you would. I took the I took plus four, would take plus three and a half. And, and, um, I'm, not, and I'm not just I think the Cowboys are good. Like, and I've said it all year, and people are like, oh, they're not that good. I do think they're good. And I, I think they could win this game. It's just yeah. it's gonna be I would think that if it was a Saturday or Sunday, the Monday night game playoff, that's that's fucking difficult to overcome, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I'm. I, yeah, I agree with you. I'm not discounting that fourth straight road game. You're going across the country. The rest disadvantage. It's definitely a factor. Um, yeah, a lo- lot of uh, Adderall in the in those coaches staff rooms all week. And it's but here's the thing. I mean, look, Purdy. Has faced he's faced you know, a really easy schedule of defenses. He's been in great game states, and Shanahan's going to put him in that position. But this is by far, I think, the best defense from a pressure perspective and from an exotic look perspective that he's going to get. We'll see if he can stay mistake free. But I also the, the key I think in this game is like, and I you know I think that if the Cowboys haven't been struggling lately, and and the Niners who've won what eleven straight, this line would be a field goal, and you know you do have to account for. Some for the rest and the the travel, 
But I just have to, I had to take four and I, I still would take three and a half. The one factor that I think is not maybe being accounted for here, and for what it's worth, teams on a 10 plus game winning streak in this round or later are one in 13 against the spread over the past 30 years. Um, is the San Francisco secondary. I think that there might be more cracks than we know. And we've seen it a few times. Like they've had a very easy schedule similar to the Eagles. But, you know, we saw what the Raiders did. We saw like what the Seahawks did early in the game. And if you look at some of their deep passing stats, like if you can get some time or give yourself time, there's some cracks in that secondary and there's some opportunities that you can have. The San Francisco defense is elite, but I think that the, from a pass defense perspective, there's going to be some opportunities here for Dak, who I think is going to carry over a lot of that momentum from last week. No one needed a week like that more than him. So I, I think this ends up being uh, a classic, yeah, I, yeah, RIP. I wish uh, we'd summer all and Madden on the call. Oh, no, and this God, ends up being oh, like, no. uh, this ends up being like 20 to 17. Well, well one thing that's interesting in this game, because I think a lot of people think that this has a chance to be really close and they should. It was in a weird way. It was closer last year, the score than the actual game. Uh, But I mean, Jimmy threw a bad pick to kind of get them back in the game. Okay. Well, close games in the playoffs come down to field goal kickers. Last time I checked, Robbie Gold's never missed a playoff field goal. Uh, Even though it's weird. I I don't view him as like, he's never going to miss, but it always goes in that situation last week. I mean, what happens if, you know, it's a 10-10 game, second quarter, and the dude misses a field goal. You know, all of a sudden, you, they start going for two. They start going for it in spots where maybe they wouldn't. And, and in tight games, I don't know. I mean, I, I understand they were in a predicament. What are they going to do, cut them and bring in some new guy with the, the second round of the playoffs? But that that was unlike anything we did. I mean, it's unpre- it's never happened in NFL history, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They signed Tristan Viscaino. I don't know how he gets keeps getting this guy keeps getting work. No offense to him, I'm sure he's a great guy, but he was <laughs> awful in college. And then he was the Chargers kicker, missing kicks forever. Um, and then the the, the how's there just a, a shortage of kickers? But, I don't know. It's um, just a, you know, more people. Yeah, it's just a very isolate. interesting point. Oh. They, they might, you know, on the road, you might go, they might end up going for it on like fourth and one. You're not like fourth and one early in the game. It's Three nothing, late first quarter, and the Cowboys are driving near the twenty-seven. Do you go for it? Um, so it it probably introduces a lot more variance, and it I think a lot of it will come down. And by the way, you probably just uh, jinx gold, but uh, I know the a lot of it probably comes down to if his first kick, like his first extra point, his first kick for sure. Because if that goes through, you know he was good all year. If not, and his mind, and that's what happened last week. Then everything just kind of spiraled and. And then you, you're like, I can't, I can't put this kid out again. Let's say they score in the first drive and McCarthy goes for it, right? How does he ever roll him out for a field goal in the game? The kid would be like, yep. uh, it's, it's, so it's, which to me that everyone, let's say they score in the first drive. It's like, are they going to go for it here? Yeah. And he might. Yeah. yeah it's no, it's that, that's, I'm, I'm fascinated to watch how that plays out. And he was so good all year. And the missing four, it's like, he got the, he got, he got the yips all of a sudden didn't, didn't know how to throw it to first base. Chuck Knobloch status. So like, I, yeah, it's it'll be fascinating to watch. I think it just introduces a lot more variance in the game. I don't know who it it's it's I, I would rather be San Francisco, but you might end up being the 49ers and then all of a sudden, like last week, they go for it on fourth down, get a touchdown against the Bucs and basically bury them because they didn't trust their kicker anymore. Um, but one, yeah, that it's fascinating. It's gonna be a fascinating watch. One final thing to add here is is maybe is the and this is something that I considered, maybe the NFC East was just really good this year and yeah. that's why there's three teams in the division round 
from one division, first time since 1997. They went 30 and 16 against the spread in non-division games this year. So they and it's hey, look, maybe the Giants are better than we thought. They're here. Maybe Washington was better than we thought. And Dallas just absolutely put the screws to Tampa. Both teams win on the road. NFC's teams on the road last week. So maybe there's a little bit of value in the NFC's team. I just think this should be a field goal. Um, and maybe a Mar kick decides it and they lose by a field goal and uh, San Francisco moves on. But uh, yeah, I took the points here. Well, I, I'm in complete, in complete agreement there on the NFC East. I mean, if Washington's your worst team, what they'd go eight, eight and one. And like, I remember when the Niners beat them thinking, one, I don't know why they yanked Heineke in that game, but two, like that team has just, you know, obviously they were a flawed team, but has fucking good players at a lot of different yes. positions, like yeah, high end sides. impact guys. So I mean, it's like, geez, yeah. if that's the worst team in your division. Holy shit. Yeah. I mean, you, you're yeah. right. And Dallas wins this game. You're getting an NFC East, you know, NFC championship game, which yeah. first time the Dallas would be in the NFC championship game since. And listen, if McCarthy wins this game, Super Bowl is always going to be the biggest win of your career. To me, this would be an inc- have to be the second biggest win because you look back on that Chicago game that he won in the NFC Championship game. Remember, Cutler was hurt and then the sideline with the jacket. This yeah. would be more impressive given the short week, given that everyone's been shitting on this guy for years and beating Shanahan and on the road. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I'm. I, to me, this is the best game of the week. I, game, I think game I mean, of the weekend. Yeah, if the, if the, the I mean, Sunday's awesome. Uh, Sunday. I wish the Bengals had the a fully healthy offensive line, but Burrow's still going to put up a fight. But yeah, I think uh, when you when you add in like the nostalgia factor too, like Cowboys 49ers, big game Sunday night. Uh, like that's yeah, this could be, and I think it's going to be close. So I think it could be one of the best games of the season. One thing we learned from last week, I, I'm not going to shit on any of these games because you never know. I mean, the, the yep. Miami Dolphin Bills 13 point game in that game, I, I was glued. You know, see so the the Chargers up 27 nothing and boom, second half of the year. So you, you just, Ravens are Ravens are in position to win before a, a fluke you know, fumble. Like, Huntley. So you just, Huntley. shit, you ne- you never know. Just just enjoy it uh, yep. because we don't have many more football games. Well, yep. Stucky, uh, Etn 17 yards. L- let's go, baby. I-, I like that one. All right, let's get it done. Good luck this weekend. See you, buddy. The Volume. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome.